The Coffee People podcast is presented by Rostar Coffee Packaging. Rostar is a digital printing company that makes custom printed packaging for coffee products. They work with small, mid, and large coffee roasters nationwide. Go to Rostar.com to learn more about their fast turnaround times, high-quality packaging products, sustainability efforts, and low printing minimums, which enable your small business to tell a really big story. If you are ready to upgrade those coffee bags, go to Rostar.com. I know you are. I did not. I intentionally did not watch your YouTube channel before this because I wanted to learn all of this with you. But I was a little nervous because you have so much content out there that I was like, (laughs) I don't know if I'll be able to keep up in this interview. Oh, no. Like, I I feel like it's it's a good idea to come in with a fresh blank slate. You know, I think that's more fun for sure. And um, yeah, however you want to run it, it's all good. There's, there's going to be value somewhere for someone. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Coffee People podcast, which is part of the Roast West Coast Coffee Network and presented by Roastar Coffee Packaging. If you're a small business roasting excellent coffee, you want it to be showcased in an equally stellar package. Find what you're looking for at Roastart.com. I'm Ryan Wolt, and this is the Coffee Podcast, where we meet interesting people connected to the world of coffee. Today's episode is the very first of Season 9, and if you're listening the morning this drops, it is also the three-year anniversary of Roast West Coast. More on that later in the show. Right now, I want to tell you about our first guest of the season, Meg Levu of Black City Coffee in Chino Hills, California. Besides being the founder and head roaster, Meg also has a popular YouTube channel where she has been documenting the evolution of her life in coffee. You'll find links to that channel in this episode's podcast notes and on (sighs) roastwestcoast.com. Okay. Man, it has been a minute since I have been in the booth recording one of these intros and I'm excited to get this season underway. I'm gonna need to brew a second cup of coffee. I think I'll go do that while you listen to this interview with Meg Levu, the founder, head roaster, and content creator behind Black City Coffee. My name is Meg Levu. I am the roaster owner hobbyist for Black City Coffee Roasters here in Chino, California. I have a ton of questions. Uh, Hopefully we get into most of them, but I'd like to start just a little bit of some backstory about you. Uh, Obviously you have Black City Coffee Roasters now, but what were you doing before? Who were you in that world before this came about? Yeah, uh, before coffee was just, you know, regular coffee drinker. Um, I still currently work, like I said, this is a hobby for me. I've, you know, officially decided and told my audience, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm not going to pursue this as a career because I was really, really thinking about it and really trying to consider it. But we were looking at it as a terms of uh, where the grass is greener versus wedding photography, which is what we do now, which I'm currently doing. So my role in wedding photography still is to handle all the client meetings, client consult, email 
coordination, sort of like a manager and a gopher, you know, mm-hmm. if like, that's just, just what you do when you have your own <laughs> business. So <laughs> we're a husband and wife team. We're kind of family run. My sister works with us. So we're a really tight crew over here. And that's, that's our moneymaker, our breadwinner. And that's how I'm able to roast on a Mill City roaster <laughs> 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 for a hobby, dude. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. And then uh, before that, I was in, um, got my degree in health science and I inspected for the county of Riverside hazardous materials waste management. Uh, and I would just go around to every business and um, inspect them. Yeah. That's what I did before. That's intense. <laughs> did you have to wear like a hazmat suit? No, no, no. That was only for like, if you were going <laughs> to, you know, decon, decontamination and things like that. And we trained in that. I even trained in like how to arrest someone. That was crazy. And we did oh, a lot cool. of training and things like that. And you got to work with fire department and police and like uh, DEA. So like uh, drugs and meth and stuff like this. So we had a lot of that in Riverside County where you get to just be on site and observe. But I never had any real interaction with something too crazy it was the the most that i got to deal with is like oh we had a a diesel tank fall over on the 10 freeway go make sure they're doing everything correctly basically yeah i used to own a wedding photography company i was a wedding photography for well hey um, hey uh, almost 10 years I'm just going to throw it out there that I think working with weddings might be more insane than working with contaminated <laughs> materials. So uh, <laughs> if you're out there getting married, be nice to your wedding photographer. It's a long day. They're very hungry by the end of it. Yes, yes. Just yeah. be nice. You said a little bit ago that you told your audience. Could you tell my audience what you were referring to there? You have a very successful content creation company. Well, it's not a content creation company. I t- I just, what I did was I got a hot top and I was doing that as a hobby to save money to roast coffee. I made a video about it because there was really not a lot of um, content out there because I was confused. I was legit confused on what to do. And I was like, you know what? I'm already used to making content. I would just make <laughs> a 20 minute video, 30 minute video about all my grievances and the pluses and the minuses and the love, the love for it. You know, I wouldn't go through all this if I didn't love it. So I made a video and that did fairly well and people were grateful for it. And I was like, you know what? This is fun. I like documenting my struggle and me learning and being like, why does this taste the way that it tastes and how to roast this and whatever. And then I, I really fell in love with it. And then we got that Mill City Roaster And then I was starting to really consider, do I want a career in coffee? And I was just really unsure about it. I never really fell, you know, forward into that still being like an entrepreneur. I just never really did it. And I was like, well, why? Like, if I love it so much, why do I have this personal block with it? And so I I decided to discover that and explore that with content. So I don't make content for any other like businesses or anything. It's all for in-house stuff. So for Black City Coffee, yes, I vlog about coffee and I have a YouTube channel and I've just slowly been growing that and people tune in. It's a very small audience, but we're tight and it's a cool community. It's, it's cool. And I don't find myself on one side of the fence or the other. I'm just like, this is what I do. (laughs) Take it or leave it. And I, I like that better versus espousing beliefs or whatever like that even though maybe you'll find a video where i do 
do that, you know, where I'm sure. like, it must be this way or whatever. And then you'll see the progression of just who I am as a person, how I've evolved. And it's all there for you if you wanted to waste your life. But like, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just don't say that. I don't want people to question <laughs> listening to this show either. No, no I, <laughs> I mean, my you. channel and all the old stuff. <laughs> I'm just not that person anymore. And, but I, I leave it there to show that that's what a human is, is that we evolve and we change our mind and we change our opinion and we grow. Da, da, da. And uh, I thought that coffee was a great medium to, to do that personally. I like this. I like making content um, and talking about the personal growth and just getting a little bit more like in depth on the psychological things that go on in your brain. And it's, I think it's a really cool medium to explore that. You know, I always did that before, before coffee, but I feel like coffee and self-growth and self-help is kind of an icky word nowadays, but like, I like doing that stuff. It's supernatural for me. It's therapeutic for me. So I don't have a company per se, like I just make content. And you're prolific. I will say that. There's a lot of thumbs <laughs> yeah. up. If you're listening to this show somewhere in the world, there's a link to Meg's show. <laughs> In the podcast notes, wherever you're listening, I promise you that. So you can go and watch it after this interview. Since we are talking about coffee, I'm wondering if you had a first experience with coffee that made you think, yeah, this is interesting. You know, maybe you weren't at a point where you're going to say, this is a medium I'm going to use to express myself yet. But mm. something that kind of struck you is this is this is more than just a cup of coffee somewhere. Yeah, yeah. That was with um, learning how to roast coffee on the hot top, for sure. Well, what made you do that even the first time? Like what on earth would make you think, oh, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to try to roast <laughs> coffee on this hot top and it's going to be drinkable. Right. That's a big yeah, jump. It took a while. Yeah, it's a big jump. Okay. Well, I was buying coffee like in a bag, right, that you do in a cafe and you're, you're looking for something high quality and kind of high brow. And uh, the only reason I got to that point was because my sister, who was a, an avid cafe goer, would give me um, coffees that were outside of my scope of buying coffee, like so from the grocery store or whatever it may be, right? And so I tasted something light. It messed with me. And I was like, what is this? And it <laughs> messed with my mind. And then at, by the end of the bag, I was really like enamored with it. You know, like, why did that was so interesting? Like. So coffee can taste like this. And so, so that spark led me to buy better coffee. So I'm buying better coffee from other people and other roasteries. And then my husband is like always trying to think of the next, you know, entrepreneurial idea. He's like, you know what? You're spending a lot on coffee. These are like $20 bags of coffee. Can you save money and like roast your own? Wouldn't that be better? Wouldn't you like to do that and maybe like do a business? <laughs> He's like getting me to try to, he was always trying to get me to like start another business so we could stop wedding photography. This grass is always greener thingy. And I'm like, I don't know. I really love coffee. If I turn into a business, it's probably not going to be something I love anymore. It'd probably just be a job. And uh, he's like, no, but like, you know, we're going to get old, you know, and uh, maybe I'm not going to be able to shoot, you know, when I'm like 50 years old, maybe you know, try, try. And I was like, okay, I'll try, but I want to do it the right way. And so the right way for me was an artisan 2K plus because you could monitor your roasts and do the whole roast profile thing. And kind of that little hot top, which was a drum, electric powered, but still a drum. So I was like, hey, this is mimicking 
what the big boys do, you know, at uh, Starbucks and such. They have a big old drum roaster. I want to mimic that and just kind of see, you know. And that was Mike in my head that that was the parallel. Okay, if if they do that, but I'm doing it on a very miniature scale. Let me just investigate what that's about. I mean, the machine still cost like two grand at the time or something. So it was still quite an investment, but I was down for the learning. I had like just dived into the rabbit hole of like Rose theory, trying to read everything that I could. Um, Rao was in my ear at this time. So that's the basically the only like consensus in terms of like Rose theory. And I was like, hmm, okay, let me just try. And I really fell in love with the, the art and science kind of vibe that people say about coffee roasting. Coffee roasting is both, intuition and science or art and science and I was like oh that's kind of like how photography is so I was making a lot of parallels to what we were already doing and then when I made a video on it I was like yo this is up my alley I make content anyway I'd love to do that it was just like a match I've been in the podcasting world a little bit before like I was a you know kind of like almost a part of that you know the podcast movement space 2012 ish. Yeah. yeah. So I was trying to do that a little bit. I kind of got at it. I didn't like the vibes there too much at in the end of it all. And I was like, well, I'm still, I still like talking on camera and talking about things and making content and that sort of thing. So maybe these are a match. And so that's sort of like what, what kept going. And then there was a positive response on YouTube. But I was like, cool. I mean, I would have done it without, without it. Cause I like <laughs> to do it. <laughs> I was like, because a lot of roasting, learning how to roast in the beginning is very frustrating, but then you love it and you're like, ah, so I still needed to do it anyway, you know, for my own sanity. (laughs) That's a really interesting point. And I think one that is common to a lot of uh, home coffee roasters, hobbyists and hobbyists who turn professional, you know, selling their product is that they're doing this anyway, and they have to figure out how to justify it in the rest of their life. I know justify, for me, yes. yeah. this show is 100% something that has to come out. And it gives me incredible anxiety thinking about every, you know, building up to every yeah. episode, but I have yeah. to do it. And I'm so excited right. and I have such a great time doing it. But then I had to figure out how do I spend all this time where I'm not like doing something else? And that's why the <laughs> yeah. show is a business. Got it. Yeah. You start roasting, you're kind of growing in that world. You have a a science and art background, which is kind of interesting that it led you this way. And the channel comes about, when did you start thinking that you were growing enough that you wanted to turn just roasting for yourself into a bit of a brand that maybe you shared? You haven't decided yet. This isn't going to be the future. Mm. So what motivated a brand and kind of a, this is a representation of what I'm doing and giving it to people to try. Right. What did that feel like? It felt like just a natural progression of things. I'm someone who loves to like put my stamp on stuff and personalize it. And if I buy something, I want to now make it mine. So if I, if I buy something, it's awesome already. Cool. And now my little touch is like, I put a little stamp on it. I engrave it. I buy something that is homemade or I made and now it's mine mine so I'm like that I'm like a craftsman I like to do that stuff like if you find me in my spare time I'm always trying to like invent something to solve a particular problem at home like build something or whatever and I get that from my dad who's always just like inventing stuff and like tweaking it just a bit I also get it from my husband 
you know, he's he's taught us all how to shoot in his style because that's really the only way it works. And so we call it KOV standard over here. But basically he has a certain eye. And what he'll do is like he'll maybe see something that he likes, but it's not his yet. So he'll put his tweak on it and put his stamp on it until it fits what he's looking for. And I can recognize it. I could pick it out of the bunch and I could be like, oh, yeah, you did something here or whatever. Like you put your little spin on it. So I'm kind of inspired by those two things. Um, even my mom, who would be like, she would watch Jada De Laurentiis on the Food Network back in the day when we were in <laughs> high school. Right. And she's like, oh, I don't have the the sun-dried tomato. What can I do to mimic the the flavor with what I have here? the ingredients that I have here. So I'm, I have those three sort of things like always churning in the back of my mind. Like if I haven't put my touch on it, it's not mine yet. Like I want to make something new. What I was going to ask is about the name and the branding, you know, the, the, the touch you did put on this roasting, where did that come from and, and what does mm. it mean? So what we have now is like a third iteration of the sentiment, which is to be curious and discover coffees that you love. And that sort of thing that like, I was like, man, I, I love that feeling of like discovering something new and following my curiosity like that. The first iteration was like the two Panthers is sort of like, what do you call it, like an emblem or coat of arms. I really love this idea of something herald, something old and pure and like coming from like years of tradition. So those are this, the things that are sort of like, running through my mind when I designed my first logo. And then I did a second one just because I had to. They were like, um, this is very low resolution. Can you give us something better? <laughs> and I was like, well, dang, I can't replicate. I don't know how to do that. I'll just make a new one <laughs> and make it, make it um, full resolution so that you can print whatever I was trying to print. And then I was like, okay, let's roll with it. I'm a quick start. I'm just like, let's, if it's, if it checks all the boxes for me on a, on a big picture, I'm going. I'm not like it has to be perfect. The problem is, is like you waste a lot of money doing <laughs> time and money. You waste time and money making very fast decisions like that. Anyway, I get to this point where I'm at a crux. I'm like, I think I'm going to take it to a business. I think we're going to become uh, a business. And I want to maybe like get a warehouse and do that and become a roaster not a cafe, a roaster. That was a, a big distinction for me. Again, I still, I don't, I don't think you need to do this. You know, this is me. This is a personal itch that I have, I think, as an artist. I like to put my stamp on things. So I hit up Jared's designer from Hasea Coffee Source. He's like, yeah, he's great. His name is Nathan. And he's really good in his, like, you know, discovering uh, a mark for you or a logo, right? I was like, cool, let's do it. It's a, it's a high investment. It's well worth it. It's, it's so in depth in terms of like the questions that he asks you in terms of what do you mean when you say this, you know, and how can we translate that into design? And so we came up with this mark of like, it still has all the heraldry there. It has the two Panthers. It has the shield in the center. We kind of explored this as a means of this upward movement. You see that like triangle there. There's a lot of triangles sort of like within the uh, mark itself. This upward movement of always progressing forward, always evolving, which I, I really bring in my 
my YouTube channel, sort of moving forward all the time. And the shield of like kind of protecting this idea of good coffee, good ideas, good faith. Uh, and we can go on and on and on about it. I, ha- I have many videos on it. You talked about <laughs> prolific. Like I went so in depth and shared because he invoked that from me during our meetings, which I thought was so helpful. And I thought people like would benefit from that. Cause a lot of times we just do what I do, which was like, yo, I'm feeling this make it. And it's kind of maybe sloppy and a little messy, a little busy. And how do we distill that? We talked a lot about distilling these ideas down to these very like more powerful marks. And so we have this like on uh, on IG, it's just a circle with the, with the arrow or the mountain or that progressive movement forward. And it's a little off center too, because yeah, we're not perfect. I was like, Oh dude, you are so good. Like, (laughs) I love that. Let's do it. (laughs) Do you find that same kind of theory, that same distillation of ideas has rolled over onto your roasting efforts Yeah. where in the beginning you were like, I got this thing and I'm going to try these cool new things and see what I like. And now you have more of a, Hey, we're progressing forward in both quality and understanding of what we're doing. Oh yeah, totally. If I, if I, if I wasn't like, so I think, um, learn to forgive myself through that because it, it tends to, I think, uh, roasting it, you're kind of like, feel this like self pressure to be perfect because you know where this coffee came from. Once you learn where coffee comes from, you're like, oh, my God, it's so hard. It's so difficult. Like, I'm so, oh, my God, I'm so grateful. Like, you don't want to mess up. You don't want to waste. And then I think that lended, for me anyway, that was my experience. I was like, oh, my God, this this is precious, you know. And it is. It still is. But then to run a business with it, okay, now you have to think like a business person. There's other, they contrast each other, Right. This sort of like being grateful, conserving, purist, purity, and then scale, <laughs> money, <laughs> profit, you know, like in America, in California, it's very expensive here, blah, blah, blah. So these things, they, they kind of like counter each other. And I think as a roaster, when you're learning to roast, this pressure to be perfect is daunting. It's, it's overwhelming. And that's why people get hella caught up on like um, the roast curve. Why is my number not like your number? I don't want to mess up, you know? And that's why I started to make content about it. I was like, yo, I feel that. I totally get it. At the same time, we must just move forward, okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, everything can be true still, but we can still have it in our intention and then the way that we produce and the way that we share information and help others and da-da-da. And like, we can still do this in a good way, in a feel-good way. Sure. Maybe. And I'm just, as I'm listening to you and knowing a little bit about your background now, you're essentially kind of the middle part of this science experiment. You know, somebody grew that coffee somewhere and it ended up with you as the roaster and you're pushing that coffee to another level. Somewhere on the other side of that, someone's going to brew that coffee and Mm -hmm. kind of decide the final outcome. And like any good science study, there's going to be a lot of experiments performed to make sure that you're getting there. And so just because one doesn't turn out maybe the way you thought, that doesn't mean it's not part of this bigger chain of progression and and improvement. Right, right. Yeah. I think this like bigger picture sort of um, appreciation for the whole chain, you know, Jared likes to like, I love going to his classes 
uh, from Hesea Coffee. He's like, yeah, you're just, you know, the roasters are part of the chain and we're all part of the chain. We're all important. And this whole thing doesn't work if we all don't, you know, create a win-win situation for everybody. It's got to right. be a win-win, right? So he's always saying that. And I'm like, yeah, that's what it is. I'm just a part of this bigger chain. So a lot of it in the beginning is like, you're so worried about you as a little, you know, narcissistic, which is natural. It's kind of like being a little baby. You go to your adolescence and then you mature and you're like, oh, the world, we're a part of the world. We're all part <laughs> of this big, beautiful chain. And you're like, okay, I'm going to get over myself. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call it when it. you're where I'm at and you're like, Oh, I just want to be left alone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hermit them. <laughs> that's probably pretty accurate. I did build a little bunker here in my closet to talk to people. I know that's so cool. If you are serious about roasting great green coffee, you need to check out the Hosea coffee source, green coffee column on roastwestcoast.com. Hosea Coffee Source is a premier green coffee importer, and they serve roasters of all sizes. Every month, Hosea's co-founder and green coffee buyer, Jared Hales, joins us to break down the finer points of green coffee. Find the link to that column in this podcast's show notes. Uh, sourcing coffees, you've mentioned Hosea Coffee Source, our mutual yeah. uh, collaborator and friend. How did you one find a place to source coffees i assume you didn't just if you got lucky and found one right away and that was great but then even though you are working with someone you still have to have an ethos about what coffees you want to try to work mm. with how did you find that place and how is it evolving sourcing my first was because i took a cupping class at bodie and jared used to be at bodie and he ran the whole thing there and that's when i was like yo, this is crazy. And I cupped before I roasted. I still didn't know what I was doing. People were banging their spoons everywhere. It was crazy. And I was like, oh my God, I like it. <laughs> and then that's where I learned, oh, you, you have green coffee, raw coffee first, and then it goes to this, right? So he, he always explains uh, what you're doing even at the cupping session. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll just uh, get my coffee from Bodhi because it's so cheap, right? I was like, oh, my God, raw coffee is $5 a pound. <laughs> and uh, I was thinking I was going to save a lot of money or something. I was so excited. And then um, <laughs> lo and behold, right, I'm like 20 grand in or whatever. <laughs> so um, I saw it source from Bodhi first. And then I think, you know, Jerry left Bodhi and started his own thing. And then how did we get in contact? I think I was looking up another cupping class because I was like, yo, I want to learn more. And then I find him, I think on the internet, I forget how I found his cupping course, but he has his cupping courses. I take him, I chit chat with him a little bit at the new place in, in Anaheim. And he's like, yeah, so now I source all these coffees and I'll tell you the difference between, I'll, I'll tell you the difference between um, good coffee sourcing and not good coffee sourcing and freshness, arrival, harvest, first pick, second pick, you know, different lots. So he's giving me the insider track, right? And I'm, I'm learning a ton. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to buy from you now, you know? And I was buying smaller quantities um, of coffee. And then he opened up this new door, which is the 20 kilo bag which really was like really great for home roasters and people were just like, well, I don't want to do the five 
pounder. That's so small, but I don't want to get the 60 kilo bag or whatever it is. That's a lot, you know? So he, he offered something in between, you know, he was, he offered something competitive for home roasters or people who are just little micro, little small like me and is now flourishing. Right. So I think he's, he's really grown from there. So that's how I found coffee. And now I just exclusively buy from him just cause it's so easy for me. And I trust him completely. The trust in that relationship, our relationship with the world is based on trust and we can make choices on who we engage with. You know, I, I think about this a lot as somebody who's always buying coffee and making choices. Part of my job is to go to different places. And so I'm always going, okay, would this be a place I would come back to because mm. I trust they're making decisions on their side that fit the values that I have about the world. And yeah. to find that is such a rare thing. Uh, you were mentioning cuppings. I just attended, I got to the end of a, a group cupping. And if you anyone is listening, a group cupping is kind of like a dance. Because you're yeah. all working your way around a cupping table with all these different coffees to try with one or two spoons in your hand that you're also trying to be, at least pretend to be clean. <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> yeah. I hate I hate to say it that way, but like you're dipping that spoon. and Yeah, don't think too hard when you're doing a group cupping. <laughs> yeah, make sure you trust the people you're with. Uh, right, that's all I'm right. going to say about that. <laughs> Being a... I hear this a lot, but being a female fronted roasting operation, even on a hobbyist mm -hmm. level, does that matter to you? Is it something you wish I didn't even ask about? Or is it something <laughs> that you, I mean, and I, I mean that seriously, because yes, should it yes. matter? Maybe not. I don't know. But it is something that when I look at like the list of guests that I have on this show, mm -hmm. the ratios are, are not always even, you know, of whether it's. <laughs> yeah. Are there, is it all men? Not always, you know, some seasons we are 50, 50, but it's never huh? 70, 30 uh, one way or another. And, and I hear from a lot of women roasters in particular that the industry feels like it's mostly men and traditionally has been. And I'm curious if you felt that or notice it or care and if it matters and if it does, what does it mean? Yeah. Yeah. For me personally, I did notice it was all male, but it didn't matter to me. I'm a, I'm a tomboy, if people haven't already guessed, but, you know, happened to married all this stuff. I never minded playing in the, in the boys' room and being one of the boys. It was always, that was where my fun was. <laughs> so throughout growing up, I was always had action figures, Spider-Man, Batman, X-Men, and then always had Barbies. So I've really kind of just like wherever my interests go, I follow and I don't really care the fact that I'm a girl and it's never really gotten in the way of anything. Now, have I had instances of where sexism has played into like some kind of like annoyance? Sure. Especially being in the wedding photography industry, I would always shoot, I was second photographer. I would shoot all the men and um, yeah, some of them, I don't know, they hit on you or they treat you a certain way or I don't know that like less respect for sure. I still get that today. And that's probably also too, because I look like I'm 13 sometimes if I like don't put on the proper <laughs> attire and makeup, I look really young, you know, um, even though I'm like 37. So I get it. But um, personally, to me, it does not motivate anything that I do in terms of like in coffee. I'm sort of like, my personal thing is like, I'm very purist about coffee. When I'm doing things with coffee, I do them for me and how I feel like I think it should be done. 
but the message that I give to others, which I've evolved this because I was, I was pretty authoritarian about it, but um, I've evolved this and I'm like, you just need to do you. I'm showing you what I do. And I always make that. I always try to make that very clear. I'm like, this is what I'm doing. I'm not motivated by my sex, you know? And the fact that there were so many men, I don't know. I was just like, Oh, cool. Like, so there's space for me. And if there were women, I'd be like, cool. I'm in, I'm encouraged. And that's not to say that I don't understand what it means to be a woman here and as a roaster and making content because I've had women talk to me who are way more successful than me in coffee. And they're like, I watched your video. I was inspired and I chased my dream and I'm now doing it. And I'm like, dude, that's so dope, you know? And I, I understand that it is really like imperative to see people who are like you doing the things that you want to do. I think that that helps tremendously. It doesn't discount the fact that if you want it, you need to go get it. You know, you need to be accountable. Don't blame, like, I, this is my personal belief, don't blame uh, not seeing something to not go and chase your dream or something like that. For example, <laughs> I forgot you're going to film me in front of my gun wall here, but like, <laughs> I don't want to be political. What I'm, I'm learning to be a hunter right now. And there's, I don't have any women friends in hunting. I don't have any male friends in hunting. I have no friends in hunting. Okay. And so, and then, and then trying to find women in California who hunt, it's very rare. It's hard for me right now. And I'm like, Man, please, somebody who's listening to this podcast, if you want to help me, I don't care if you're a woman or you're a man or whatever, but like <laughs> it would have helped me to be like, oh, cool, she's a woman, she hunts, she's not afraid because I'm afraid. I'm afraid to go by myself into the brush and try to hunt little baby quails. Like I'm not baby quails, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you the, the email addresses to all of my cousins back home. In oh, the, my gosh. Because they all hunt. <laughs> Hook me up, Brian. Yeah, I will. I need a mentor. But so, so like that with the hunting thing, I, it would have helped me to see somebody close to me or somebody who was talking about it, making content, talking about how, how scary it is for a woman because hunting is a male dominated sport. Do they feel like they're going to pull something? We're all armed, but I don't want to be, I don't know. I don't want to be in a sticky situation. And I think having somebody who could help voice my fears and assuage those fears would be great. And so that's what I think me roasting as a woman is doing for women, dealing with heavy machinery at home. What is that? You know, what's that like? For sure. Like I didn't learn how to smoke a barbecue until like the pandemic. So I never dealt with propane. I never dealt with things like this regulators, stuff like this. So the fact that I made videos on it, I think it helped a lot of women get over those tiny little fears that they had in their head, sure. but it doesn't motivate me personally. But I mean, having representation means, you know, it's possible, you know, you I know it's possible. Yeah. My parents were entrepreneurs and I didn't think about it at the time, but I saw how hard they worked and I saw what they went through and they had three sons and all of us own our own business now. And I that's don't think so that's cool, an accident, dude. you know, because mm. I never even in my career working for other people, I never thought it wasn't possible. I knew that yeah. I knew it was going to be hard because I saw yeah. what they had gone through. I knew that I might be poor and I might be wealthy and I might be, you know, there's going to be a, a wide range of where this could go, but I knew that it could be done. 
And the worst that could happen would be that I would fail. And yeah. And I have failed and I have succeeded. And you kind of go through all of those things. Like life is hopefully long and you have yes. different experiences. Very true. I'm wondering if there's something that you've learned over the last couple of years in coffee specifically, a lesson that you've taken away from it that you might want to impart to other people since we have this platform to share. Hmm. For me, what's interesting to me is that that coffee is always changing. You know, as a, as a roaster, you have some green coffee in it, like it changes. It doesn't just stay that, right? So it'll get older. It'll maybe like, depending on the ambient temperature that it's being stored or how you roast it, or there's so many variables. And I was like, yo, this is so parallel to life, like, or to yourself. Like it's so, you're just never the same. You're just always growing. It's a parallel to life. And um, I find that really humbling and inspiring and like exciting because there's always something to grow into and learn. And there's always a next adventure with coffee too. I'm like, Ooh, what is this? Like, what is this varietal? How is this going to act? Or, Oh, it's like three years old now. What's it going to do now? You know? And so I really love that ever changing thing that's happening with coffee and even if we look back, if we zoom out what's happening with like where coffee's coming from, different technology, um, different people who are coming into the space and creating content, more home roasters. There's been this explosion of like so many coffee brands, right? Uh, in the last, I think, three years or so. And so that's really interesting to follow. So coffee in itself, just the green itself. It's like this reverberating thing that's just like always changing, rippling out, rippling out. And it's really cool to be a part of that. Um, and to be a part of the roasting world is really interesting too. A lot of things happening in the roasting world. And I just get to be like, oh, cool. This is cool. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and I've found my people too. The people in coffee world, in the world of roasting versus say the barista world, which I feel like is a different vibe. I feel like I've found my people in a way. I've never had a lot of like friends growing up. It's always like I'm a, like a one person at a time kind of gal or very small groups of people. But it's cool to find a community where we're all like <laughs> we're all speaking in terms of like rose curves and greens <laughs> and like what this thing does at first crack and always oh, crazy. Oh, you get to do it gentle. Oh, you roast, you roast it really fast. You know, so we have this, you know, secret language, this sort of club you know, which happens when you're a nerd about anything. And I think that's so fun and it's so cool. People recognize passion in another person. And if it's yeah. passion about the same thing that they have, it's like this immediate connection. We can be totally different from different places, different histories. We don't even know each other's backgrounds. It doesn't matter because we have this thing that we can bond over. And I, I love that about coffee generally. Totally. When I get into a room with a bunch of roasters, I know that I'm going to just sit in the corner and be quiet because I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you mentioned earlier on that this isn't your full-time job. You're, you know, you're claiming hobbyist, but you do have <laughs> a presence and you do roast and sell coffee. How yep. are you connecting with people? How are you selling? How can people support you if they're listening to the show? Support this effort and your willingness to share that story with them in the future. Yeah. Uh, first of all, thank you for even listening and being here with us and being part of Coffee World. I think 
when you make that first step, I think that's really special. You want to come and support Black City Coffee. I roast on a little 1K machine and we do 12 ounce bags. I think I'm mostly known for (laughs) not my coffee, it's painful to say, but it's for my YouTube (laughs) content. If people say that to me, I'm like, oh, you're stabbing me right now. (laughs) Even though I know I do it to myself because I put a lot of effort into, I guess it seems like I put a lot of effort into making content, but to tell you a secret is really easy for me to do that. Like that's more second nature than me trying my darndest to roast your coffee orders when they come in. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually inverse. But but then people are looking at me like, dude, I can never get on camera. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, but it's so easy for me to do it. And that's just how it is. Yeah, I would love to be known more for my coffee. But the the truth of the matter is I'm just not that good yet. Uh, maybe, perhaps. That's always my <laughs> my uh, impersonator. Uh, I've tried your coffee and uh, quite enjoyed it. So I don't know that I would say Yay, that. Ryan likes it. I know there's always this... <laughs> silly the silly voice in the back of my head i'm trying i'm getting over it um yeah so you can find me on youtube i'm always vlogging about something i'm gonna put out another video after this um after this interview and then we sell coffee of course and uh your order comes in and i i roast it to order so yeah that's what i do well let's say you're not roasting you're gonna get up you're going to hit, hit the road and uh, you stop into, you stumble into a new coffee shop. What is yeah. it that you order? I order, if you have whole bean coffee, I'll check that out first. And I will do that because I'm not a cafe drinker and hanger outer. Just not. But if I have to have a coffee order, I would go for espresso um, with nothing <laughs> or Americano. If I don't really maybe trust your espresso. <laughs> <laughs> or or if you have something interesting going on with your drip, I'll go for a drip. Um, and it's always black. And then if, if I'm with other people or if I'm at Phil's Coffee, I'll get the <laughs> mint thing, <laughs> that sugary <laughs> mint ice cream goodness. Coffee is always uh, meets you where you are in the moment. Yeah. I think. Yeah. 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 That's perfect. That's my hope anyway. Is there anything that I missed that I should have asked you or that you wanted to share today? Um, no, I think you covered everything. I, I was, um, when you sent me over all the questions and stuff, I was like, yeah, 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 that's all good. The woman <laughs> one, the woman one, I was like, maybe I should be more uh, careful or conscious or choosy about that, right? Just because I don't want to upset anyone but i do want to be very transparent and honest i'm always i always want to be honest that's why that's the only one i actually reviewed that's actually a question too that i always think about when i send it and i send it because it's come up with other interviews that i've done where Mm. i've been told hey i wish you'd ask me about this but Uh, i also want to find i want to be respectful and it's one of the reasons why if anyone's listening i do send a list of topics and potential topics we don't always get everything to our guests because it's it's not about like, this isn't gotcha journalism. I'm not on the you know news or something. Uh, yeah. This is about learning stories and sharing what we care about. And right. in this case, it's, it's coffee and experiences. Right. 
Meg, I really just appreciate uh, your transparency. I'm excited to actually start watching the YouTube channel that I do subscribe to. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for thanks for being here today. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate it. Okay, as always, we end the show with some key takeaways. Meg has made the decision to be a hobbyist coffee roaster. I'd offer up the term semi-pro. She's pursuing the improvement of her roasting skills and selling coffee, but she also has a full-time career, running a wedding photography business with her husband. I don't know the tipping point when a hobby becomes a business, but I think it might be when you realize you need to get a business credit card so you can claim some tax deductions. I think it's important that everyone listening, and this has nothing to do with coffee, but you should be nice to your wedding photographers. If you're at a wedding, be nice to the photographer. They've had a long day. They're probably hungry, and let's be honest, they are dealing with some of the more insane members of your family. So be sure they get a plate at dinner. Our guest today, Meg, has been sharing her life and the evolution of her coffee journey on her YouTube channel, which you can find at one of the many links in this show's notes. The YouTube channel is pretty fascinating. She clearly loves roasting coffee, but she doesn't shy away from sharing her frustrations and putting her growth out there as well. Her channel reflects that in both her evolution as a coffee roaster and also as a human. During the show, Meg quickly mentioned Rao. She was referring to Scott Rao, the well-known coffee consultant and author. If you search Rao, I promise you, you will find about a billion links. One thing I took from this conversation today and from many of the chats I've had with roasters, is that the act of roasting coffee isn't just about the production process. It is also an opportunity at self-expression. For Meg, she's encouraging us all to be curious and discover coffees that we love. A huge thank you to Meg Lavu of Black City Coffee for taking the time to chat with us today and for being the very first guest on Season 9 of Coffee People. You can find all the important links from this podcast on roastwestcoast.com and in the show's notes. You can also skip right to blackcitycoffee.com, that's B-L-K City Coffee, if you want to try some of their coffee. Before we give a virtual high five to all of our incredible industry partners, I want to take a moment to say thank you to all of you listening to this show or the Coffee Smarter podcast or reading the newsletters. When I saw in the calendar that we've been running this thing for three years, my first thought was, holy shit. Apologies, excuse my language, but that is the truth. There's no way this would have survived this long. There's no way I would have stuck this out if it wasn't for the lift I've gotten from those of you who've reached out with questions to encourage me, to give a suggestion, or even a critique. Every time I thought I might be hitting a wall, someone, somewhere, would reach out and give me a lift. I wish I would have thought to tell you all in that moment how much it meant. You are not just listeners out there. You are part of this show. So, this next coffee is for you. For me, Roast West Coast started as a hobby and became my business. But it has always been a labor of love. I love doing this, so thank you for supporting it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's three, one for each year. And if you're listening to this show for the first time, head to roastwestcoast.com to sign up for our newsletter so you don't miss any of these interviews or any of the Coffee Smarter Education podcasts. Also check out our newest columns celebrating baristas of the industry on green coffee and on what a day in the life of a coffee roaster is like. And hey, speaking of support, 
This show continues to be free because listeners and readers sign up for those free and paid versions of the newsletter. Shout out to our newest subscriber from Thomas and Fisk Artisan Coffee Roasters and the support of our great sponsors, like Roast Our Coffee Packaging. Our presenting sponsor coincidentally hails from my hometown of Wausau, Wisconsin, where they create excellent coffee packaging that tells the big stories of small business coffee roasters. Learn more at roastart.com. As for the rest of our industry partners, most have been with us for the long haul, so thanks to Ignite Coffee Company, Marea Coffee, Cape Horn Coffee Importers, Zumbar Coffee and Tea, Ascend Coffee Roasters. I'll actually be there this Sunday if you want to stop by and have a coffee with me. Moster Coffee Company, Steady State Coffee Roasting, San Franciscan Roaster Company, Crossings Coffee, Ascento Coffee Roasters, Camp Coffee Company, Civets Roasting Machines, First Light Coffee Whiskey, Hasea Coffee Source, and Coffee Cycle Roasting. Chris O'Brien, the owner and head roaster of Coffee Cycle Roasting, has been my collaborator and coffee expert on the Coffee Smarter podcast. Be sure to follow that podcast wherever you are listening to this one. We'll help you brew a better cup of coffee at home. I also want to shout out Marco and Danny, the winners of our recent coffee bean guessing game at the San Diego Mountain Biking Association's annual Trail Fest. This show is part of the Roast West Coast Coffee Network, and this episode is, was, has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. Always tip your baristas and be sure to drink good coffee. This podcast is supported by Ignite Coffee Company in Oceanside, California. You can also find them online at ignitecoffeecompany.com. Founder Tyler Whitehead is a third-generation Oceanside entrepreneur whose dream has always been to provide a welcoming space where his fellow community members can mingle, study, and even create the plan to pursue their own dreams, all over a cup of really, really, really good coffee. That's three reallys, so you know it's true. Visit Ignite Coffee Company on Mission Avenue in downtown Oceanside or order coffee beans roasted fresh for you on IgniteCoffeeCompany.com. Hello? Uh, are you still there? You know the show is over, right? But since you're here, please subscribe to our paid newsletter at RoastWestCoast.com. Why, you ask? Well, for starters, you'll get access to all of our podcasts ad-free. So no need to hit that skip forward button a half a dozen times anymore. And you'll be supporting not just the craft coffee community, but the creators of this coffee content. The difference between dedicating some of our life to coffee and all of it is the support of our paid subscribers. And finally, you're part of a cool club with access to all that we offer on RoastWestCoast.com, including the archives, discounts on merch, and shoutouts on the show. There's more, but really, the simple best reason to subscribe is because you love coffee. You want to uplift the community and support the creators of Coffee People, ensuring future podcasts and newsletters. I can promise that those of us on this side of the microphone are eternally grateful for the support. Thank you.